Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. This is our Southridge member podcast, helping people get the inside scoops on life in our church. And uh, we're continuing to navigate this COVID pandemic together. And uh, once in a while, I had the opportunity to hear just a personal story of someone who's navigating this on the front lines. And so I'm excited today to have with me Tony Hendricks. Tony, say hi to everybody. Hello, everybody. And uh, start off just by orienting us to yourself. I know that you're a big fan of the podcast and a regular listener. So to all the other regular listeners out there, come meet Tony. <laughs> uh, thanks very much, Jeff. Uh, yeah, I do really enjoy the podcast. It's lots of great information. I was uh, a little bit apprehensive to record one because, you know, people are nervous sometimes. But uh, I'm like, well, I'll give it a go. I want to I share some of my story, which is kind of nice. Uh, can you orient us a little bit just to who you are, family dynamic, background, whatever, all that kind oh, of stuff? Oh, sure, sure. Um, yeah, I come from a family of uh, seven kids. Um, we're a, a Dutch background, so we're a proud, uh, proud Dutchman. Uh, I was number five in the family, so I had a lot less pressure on me growing up than my older siblings, which was kind of nice. Um, so I'm married to uh, my wife, Michelle. Um, we met quite young. Uh, we were both teenagers uh, still. We've been uh, married next year for uh, 30 years, it'll be. And together we own a, uh, a small grocery store in Niagara Lake, um, and we live in Virgil ourselves. Um, our family consists of um, three kids. Uh, my oldest daughter, uh, Madison, uh, she lives in Ottawa with her partner, Matt. Uh, she went to school up at uh, University of Ottawa and now works, uh, works up there full time. Uh, my son Connor and his partner Aiden, they both go to school at University of Ottawa uh, full-time. And of course, they're home now, though, uh, during uh, the COVID-19 issue. And my youngest daughter, Peyton, is in uh, grade 10 at um, Holy Cross right now. And studying from home. Yes, studying from <laughs> home. <laughs> hey, uh, walk us through a little bit. I know this isn't the ultimate focus of what we want to get into, but walk, walk us through a little bit of the story of how you ended up at Southridge because that could probably be a podcast on its own. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of a long and winding road. Uh, we came from a traditional uh, faith background. Uh, we grew up in a strong uh, church family, uh, active participants. Um, so I didn't really ever not have a time where Jesus was part of my life. But you know what? Like anybody, we had hot and cold times. Um, and I guess... At one point, we it felt it was just getting a little too cold on the one side. It just uh, we felt like we were doing it more out of a sense of obligation and, and duty. Uh, very, and it felt very regimented. Uh, it just wasn't um, it wasn't fulfilling us uh, anymore. Um, so I had lots of conversations over the year with with different friends, and they kept kind of pushing me to to trying to make your, make my faith more real, more relevant, more actionable. Um, and then I guess, you know, with, with our traditional church background, lots of, you know, lots of rules and regulations and, and, uh, kind of what pushed me, our, me and, and Michelle and, and our family over the edge was, was our church's teaching on, uh, uh, LGBT, uh, issues, uh, specifically uh, a lot of the, the, the wording and the, descriptions they really really tended to be uh, you know hurtful and harmful and uh we just felt we couldn't uh we could no longer be part of a uh, a church that uh 
didn't want to embrace everybody. So, and frankly, we were, we were not, um, uplifted in our, in our weekly, uh, church going, we just weren't inspired any longer. So we, uh, we were introduced to a church in the North end and, uh, it was much different than our traditional background church. Uh, you know, they had lots of music. It was very welcoming atmosphere. Uh, you know, a message of, uh, a learning, loving and action, kind of what we wanted. But, uh, the bottom line is that they were uh, not where we wanted to be in uh, in our uh, position of acceptance of everybody for uh, all things. Um, so it led to another conversation, um, actually with Carrie Jones. Uh, her her daughter is uh, actually going out with my nephew. Um, so we had a conversation and. Uh, she was really open about kind of the beliefs that uh, Southridge had, how how everybody can be brought in together and uh, and have you know these core beliefs and but have you know some different opinions on, on some of the smaller issues. Um, so after the conversation I had with her, it led me to explore a little bit more about Southridge was what it was all about. It led me to some of you know the old. Um, the old messages online from, from yourself and from Mike. Um, so then it led to a meeting with, with you and Carrie at your office with Michelle and I, and you really, you know, you were, that's the first time we met you. You were very open and honest about what Southridge was all about, the kind of church it, it's, uh, how it felt about faith and people and a community and, you know, where it was, where it was kind of directing itself. Um, so it gave, gave Michelle and I specifically, uh, a, a much better comfort level as to, you know, this might be, might be the right place for us. And, uh, so we, you know, we took the step, we came the first time people at the church were super welcoming, open, um, you know, the services were, you know, very inspiring. They were meaningful, uh, relevant to today's, uh, situations and it was really Mike and yourself when you're when you're speaking up there a lot of it's a lot of what we hear is a call to action and it felt like uh it felt like that was the place for us to be um so we just felt it felt a great sense of uh belonging almost immediately and uh we're just very happy that we we had that initial conversation with you so it's been amazing <clears throat> I mean, that's, that's a good try summarizing that <laughs> efficiently. <laughs> um, it, it's been, it's been fascinating to watch what, what were originally outsiders in your, your family so intuitively track with the values and the culture of a love beyond belief environment. And it was cool because, you know, as you guys were kind of grafting in and sort of checking us out. I was curious to see how this would fly with, uh, you know, just kind of a random, almost strangers uh, to, to Southridge at, at the time. But it was so neat to watch, in your case, no insistence on any certain belief, 
just the value that people in their convictions could be accepted and united within that diversity. That was very cool. So it's been, it's been, it's been cool to celebrate. And like I said, we could get into this and turn this into a whole different podcast. That's not what yeah. I want to talk about. Um, <clears throat> I want to talk about COVID cause that's the world we're all living in. Yes. And uh, I know it's been over two months now since this thing kind of exploded on the scene in Canada and Niagara when you think back to that Wednesday or Thursday before March break, uh, can you remember kind of when it first hit you and, and at a personal level, kind of how you were initially feeling and processing things? Yeah, it started to come on the news, of course, and everybody kind of hear, heard about it at the same time. We happened to be up in Ottawa because we were actually getting Connor, Connor's uh, new uh, residence ready for occupation in, in May because he was finished his first year. And we're getting a house set up for him. Uh, and then, you know, it kept coming on the news. It, you know, things started to get kind of uh, more heightened, a little more nervous. Uh, then the, uh, the the government, you know, calls a state of emergency. And uh, I was pretty, I, I'm generally pretty skeptical and distrustful of the government. So this kind of thing felt uh, a little strange to me. Uh, I'm like, well, how bad can it be? Really? It just, it didn't, it wasn't adding up in my head. and. Until I, you know, because we were in Ottawa, I would touch base with our store to see how things were going. And they're like, yeah, people are starting to panic. They're starting to load up their buggies. You know, it's 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 crazy down here. So, you know, a few days later, I was back home and, and I got a true sense of kind of what was happening. So. And was there anything at a personal level that you can remember about your like your default response or just how you initially process this outside of disbelief? Well, I think that when you have a feeling of not being able to protect yourself, really, sometimes the only person you can turn to is God. Uh, so I started to lean into that a little bit. Um, and I've always, I've always felt, even in my younger days and, and through our marriage, I've always felt this kind of shield of protection around uh, Michelle and I around her family. Um, it's it's a uh, in times of challenge. Um, I just know that I I know and feel that he's he's there for me, and so that over the over the first initial part of it, you know, especially every day when I uh, when I woke up, um, I really had to to reflect on that and just to say, you know, be with me, be with me as as we go through this challenge. And then the other thing that's my other default response is to, uh, along with just reflecting, is to listen to Christian music. It, it's it's a really uplifting thing for me to to do. It kind of focuses me and it gives me a lot of courage, encouragement uh, on a daily basis. It's amazing how in those moments of crisis, because you never really know before, right? The no. the the cliches of you know, God doesn't remove us from storms or remove storms from us, but he's with us in them. Yeah. Yes. Uh, all, all of a sudden you're in a storm and you actually palpably are, are able to experience that. And it's just neat when those cliches, mm -hmm. you know, you, you can actually experience more than just a cliche God in those moments, I yes, guess is, yes, is my absolutely. point. Um, now you, you, you made a, a comment earlier, Tony, and that's where things got personal for you. Because your family uh, owns and operates a grocery store. Yes, yes. And are 
one of those categories of people that have experienced this and had to navigate this literally on the front lines. So talk about in the early stages, uh, how your business was starting to be affected. Yeah, that was, it was a real challenge for us because it's not, it's just not just me individually going to work in a, in a situation that, you know, has some potential threat. It's, you know, my wife is with me every day, you know, just about every day. My son works for us uh, and my daughter works for us. So, you know, it was, uh, it was a real strange feeling, um, you know, having to just, you know, you have to step up for your community. That is a big responsibility that we've always had, you know, um, but at the start there was, you know, there was people that were just starting to hoard product. It felt like it was every man for themselves. And it was a strange dynamic to just watch it play out. Uh, within the store, people really had to be kind of retaught how to behave. And it, it, that was a strange thing, like how to be considered one another, how to line up. It's like people had to go to kindergarten again to to reconnect with, you know, proper uh, etiquette. Um, but the store was extremely busy, uh, just like any grocery store was at the time. Lots of product shortages, lots of empty shelves, uh, you know, long days. Uh, you know, worried staff, worried customers, and really you almost had to have uh, a new action plan every day. Um, you know, how That's do we funny. tackle this? How do we tackle this every day? It was a new, almost a new adventure every day. Yeah, I remember back in that era, the language we used was it, it felt like things were changing twice a day. Yeah. And so, you know, if you can remember back then, you know, what were some of the things that you were being kind of told, you know, from head office or, or from the government or whomever to, to do that you were responding to, but changing. And I mean, how was all, all that going, managing that rapid change in those early days? Yeah, it was, it was really hectic. Um, we had daily conference calls with our head office. Uh, every day seemed to be, a, a, you know, new rules, a new set of instructions. Every day I'm putting another sign up, another sign up, another sign up. You can't, you know, to our cashiers, you, you can't take cash. You, you got to clean your lanes after every order. Um, it was a big concern at the beginning, um, how to protect the cashiers because they're really the front lines. They had the most interaction with the customers. Um, and I had, you know, I had worried cashiers. I had worried parents and all rightly so it was, it was, uh, it was really nervous for me at the start because you just know that you're, you're one case away uh, from having a big, big problem. Yeah. From an outbreak. <laughs> yes. From an outbreak. So, you know, there was, there was, um, the biggest thing for us was getting uh, a proper supply of gloves and the biggest, uh, we limited, uh, store capacity, but getting plexiglass, um, properly installed around the cash lanes was a thing that put our cashiers at ease the most. Um, and then when they felt at ease, customers started feeling more at ease. Uh, they they could see that we're doing and responding to different uh, protocols that were strange for them to see, but they quickly were able to adapt to what was expected of them. And then it started to, you know, when I don't have the pressure on my cashiers, uh, the nervousness, uh, it takes some pressure off of me also. Uh, hmm. so that helped, helped me also. So now, I mean, fast forward, we're, we're more than a couple months in. Yeah. 
how, how do things work in the grocery store world these days? It was just last weekend. I, I ventured into one of our local grocery stores here in St. Catharines. It was the first time I'd gone in, into a store, never mind into the grocery store. And yeah, it was a, it was a different experience. So how, how are things going these days? Well, things are actually better now, if you want to call it better. <laughs> it's, it's, it's almost a strange new, new normal. And I've heard that phrase used a lot, um, but it's true. People are learning to line up when they need to. They're learning about keep, keeping distances from one another. Um, the buying patterns, like what people shop for, it's getting more consistent. So the, the our suppliers are able to uh, restock us a little better. Yeah, so shelves have, are fuller. Yeah, shelves are fuller. You you, you know, excluding uh, flour and yeast because of all those uh, closet bakers that have finally uh, come out of the woodwork. Oh, that's the shortage now, is it? That's still the biggest issue is flour. Oh, wow. and <laughs> but uh, yeah, now there's only minor adjustments uh, that happen, you know, almost a week to week basis, not a day to day basis anymore. So the, the overall feeling of the staff is better. Uh, we're able to, even, even because we're in a small store, you have to navigate through the customers as you work also. So we're able to navigate around the customers and they're able to give us some space. So it's kind of like this harmony of, of people moving about and it's, it's just, it's better now than it was. And I guess, you know, the big question for me here, Tony, uh, as a member of our church, like you said, regular, you know, podcast listener, whatever, all of a sudden now you're living this, this, you know, really intense life. And in your case, you know, you're carrying some responsibility here. So talk about what it's like, what it feels like to carry the responsibility of this safety, really, for both your workers and the public. Yeah. How does that feel day to day for you? Well, it, it's it's better now than it was. The beginning was very challenging. The first question you ask yourself is, well, how can I do this? Like, how can I step up and, and you know, do the job that I need to do? Um, but I think... Once you kind of reflect on it, you you have to tell yourself that you have really no option but to move forward. It's a kind of a point where you have to face your fears. Uh, you you start planning more. You start um, working with your leaders who uh, who are around you, um, and get a game plan together. Uh, but then, from a personal side of it, you really have to give yourself uh, a morning pep talk every day. Uh, I, I just, I, I, every day I pray for, for grace and strength to, uh, to God, to put his shield around me, uh, and, and my family and my staff, especially, um, just so we can collectively work together to do what we're responsible for. And I, I also pray that, you know, God works, uh, to heal, uh, all the, all the pain that's out there. Mm-hmm. As you know, the conversation's now starting to shift to reopening and, uh, you know, kind of reclaiming whatever the next normal will be. Uh, what's your, you know, as a leader, as a citizen, as a Christ follower, whatever, what's your greatest concern as our society continues to navigate this? Well, I would say that uh, most people are now very aware and uh, cognizant of what they're responsible for from their personal action point of view. I do worry about, uh, you know, uh, loose cannons out there, people that are influenced uh, by the wrong people, uh, too much misinformation. 
And so with that kind of person, I'm concerned of their kind of negative aspect on this, uh, um, not being uh, counseled by professionals like, you know, healthcare, uh, you know, health and safety people. Um, and the other thing of, of just people in general, uh, you have to, I'm worried about people's mindset because you can get a mindset of defeat and that this will never end, or you can get a mind of strength that uh, we just need to move forward together and, and, and it'll, it'll, time will heal. Time will heal. So, yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, let's spend a few minutes and just talk about the difference. Again, you've got two plus months to kind of assess this, the, the difference that faith has made for you in, in all of this. Um, first things first, can you describe any particular ways that you feel like you've experienced God in all this? Well, I've already talked about my morning reflections. That's been a, and the music has been a big part for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. The Sunday morning online services, uh, I'm, I'm a big believer or I, it's a wrong word to say, I guess, but the feeling that I get when I come into the church building, and I know it's not just about the building, but for me, when I come in, it's such a sense of, uh, of community and the embrace of all these people, uh, part of our church family. Cause it really is a family that we, you know, love and support one another. So I really miss that. Um, so the Sunday morning, uh, online services, I had to kind of get into that because I, I wanted to be connected. Um, and they've been, they've been a great, uh, a great help for me. Um, you know, the, the, the call to actions that I hear from, from yourself, um, from, from Nate and from Mike, um, and then the, the reflections that, uh, you know, we hear from Mandy, um, all those things, um, you really feel a sense of, uh, God working through all of those people connected with that Sunday morning service, and they're all working to bring the message to you. So that's been really neat experience to, uh, to feel God work that way. The other big thing is, uh, for us, you know, we've been connected with a life group for, I guess, over a year and a bit now. Um, that's been very meaningful for us on a regular Wednesday night cycle that we do. Um, but even in, during these, this stressful time, we're doing kind of Zoom meeting chats and things like that. And uh, it's, really, it's really helped to have each of us come alongside of each other because you know, you're having a tough day. They're helping you out. Uh, they're having a tough day. You can help them out. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's been a couple of big ways that uh, that God's been a part of this whole experience for us. Have uh, Have you been able to experiment at all with any of the kind of spiritual practices that we've been digging into lately? Trying to experience God through a practice based faith. Anything jumping out there? Yeah, a lot of I would say. Um, the reflection of where I see God uh, on an everyday basis, whether it's through people, um, whether it's through uh, the rebirth of spring, uh, life renewing, and just even uh, like on, on last Sunday, we uh, were just reflecting um, on just silence. And uh, we happened to be uh, not live on Sunday morning watching it, but we were driving at the time we had it on. And uh, I just... I was driving so I can 
I can see the, the blue sky and the sunlight and I can feel the warmth of the sun and I couldn't help but feel uh, God just giving me strength through that. Uh, just you know, when we were just reflecting in the quiet time. So that was, that was really neat, to, neat for me to go through that process. And, and just to be clear to our listeners, no, knowing that texting and driving is not necessarily advisable. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that we're officially endorsing the watching and engaging no, was, in weekend I, services while driving. So just I, a point of clarity. I was watching. I was listening. <laughs> oh, good thing you're not a hand raiser. <laughs> um, similarly, you know, as you look around, have you, have you seen God at work in other people's lives? through this pandemic in cool ways? Yeah, I think the, what you see a lot of the, um, the kindness and concern people are having for one another. Um, it's opened up some conversations you can have with people. Um, it's taught me a lot about, uh, listening because too often I want to have my say, <laughs> uh, my life group will attest to this, but, uh, I think learning to listen, um, and and absorb and, and kind of just offer some some uh, some advice or some support. Um, I think where I've also seen God work is through really the the people at Southridge, uh, especially these you know, online services. Everybody connected with that. Every with you know the music and the message, and it seems like you know you guys just didn't let it kind of just be. Well, here's just Mike talking for half an hour. It's 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 everything. Everybody kind of stepped up and said, you know, we have to make this the best experience we can for everybody. And it really it really shows that uh, you know you you guys the leadership uh, and people just stepping up to to make it a very impactful uh, impactful experience for for everybody. So that's great. Um we're going to wrap up in a few minutes. So just thinking on your reflections as you've journeyed through this, uh, knowing that you're navigating this as one of the frontline versions of, of workers here, what, what would your encouragement be to other people working in frontline roles? Well, I would say that it's, it's important to recognize that you're going to have good and bad days. Um, you can't avoid them. You just need to say, uh, be thankful for the good days. Um, and during those good days, if you see others that, that, uh, could use some help or support, you need to, you need to talk, you need to open up to them, uh, listen to their concerns. And the same way, if you're having a bad day, you know, you got to lean on somebody else. You can't be isolated. You have to, you have to reach out and, and also take some time to recognize when you had a good day or when you had a bad day and, and take, take some action. Don't let it just, don't let it just be there. Um, similarly, knowing that you and Michelle are, are navigating this together, any tips for those of us who live with or are trying to support frontline workers? What, what are, what are some of the best ways you can be a support to friends and family who are on the front lines? Well, I'd say if you have a, a friend or family member on the front lines, uh, when they get home from work, um, you really need to give them some time and space to decompress um, because it's very hard for them and for me also, because it's the same kind of thing, just different. It's hard to explain the pressure you face at work. Um, 
So they need some kind of uh, grace uh, when they get home to kind of unwind. Um, you know, don't let them internalize everything, but try to get a sense for them when they want to talk or when they want to share. Um, and then let them kind of lead some of the sharing. Um, but recognize too that you shouldn't just let them talk only about work because then they get kind of pulled into that vortex of, you know, never getting out of that situation. Talk about family, talk about the future, talk about things that, you know, you have planned ahead. Uh, bring some light to their day. That's that's a big thing. Those are great comments. Give them space. And then when you do engage them, uh, engaging them about something other than work is probably helpful. Um, knowing that you're a, a, a fan of the podcast, you know, you, you can empathize with people who are listening in right now. Any final encouragements or challenges to all of our members and listeners uh, when it comes to navigating this pandemic? Well, I think um, one of the things I think about often is, you know, how can you, how can you help? How can you, how can you help? Um, I think it's about reaching out. Uh, you know, you, you can reach out financially, uh, you know, to whether it's to the church or the shelter or the food banks or social agencies, you know, the charities right now are having a real, real tough time. So if you have some financial means, uh, do that. Um, if you, if you want to reach out, use your voice, you know, through the phone or emails, connect with people. Uh, it's really important that we don't forget our family, our friends, our neighbors, you know, check on the neighbor, see if they need groceries uh, collected. Do they need help with some yard work? Uh, you know, you can't just take for granted that everybody is doing okay. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's important to also, I would say, lean on your faith. Um, I, I'm a big believer that, you know, we're all going to face all these different challenges as we go through life. Uh, you know, nobody has it any easier than, than the next person. Um, but God, I, I believe God takes us through the fire. There, there's a quote, of course, somewhere in the Bible that says that. Um, when I read that quote, though, it really means to me that, you know, he's not going to leave us in it. He's going to take us through it and we're going to come out the other side. But I think once you, once you are either in it or through it, you have to ask yourself, did I... Did I walk through this uh, uh, in my faith through action or just words? Did I just talk about it or did I do something about it? And I, I have to say to myself, you know, did I step up uh, when I was needed or did I just expect somebody else to do the job for me? So those are, those are things that I ask myself. That's great. That's great. And that, that, that one nugget, you know, don't assume that everyone's okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, very powerful, not just for, the pandemic season that we're in, but just life in general. Mm -hmm. uh, there's so much going on uh, underneath the waterline in, in all of our lives. So, hey, I uh, hope this has been fun for you, Tony. I know that you love listening to these. Thanks so much for contributing to one. It'll be very awkward for you to actually listen to this, won't it? <laughs> but uh, really appreciate you joining in with us. And uh, to all of you who are listening, and joining in with us. Thanks again. Uh, we look forward to continuing this journey again next week as we keep finding our way together. Take care, everyone.